Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Let's look to God in a word of prayer. Our Father in God, we're so grateful for being able to gather together, to being able to partake of the Lord's table, being reminded of so great salvation and how we are nothing without you and how we have been brought together in Christ because of his work and because of your love. We thank you and praise you for your love for us and for your guidance. We do pray and do not take for granted our own father-son retreat and their returning today and others who are on the road on vacation or who are taking some of their children back to school already. We pray for their safety. We thank you that you watch over the details like that and we pray that people would arrive safe and be able to be back with us. We pray, Father, now and ask that as we have the word of God, that we would again not take it for granted, that we would look into the perfect law of liberty, that, Father, your spirit would have his way in our life and would challenge us. Father, even as I preach the word, Father, we're nothing more than messengers. This is not our word. We are not looking to add or to subtract, but, Father, merely to, merely to deliver the message that you have for us that we might understand it and apply it, and how desperately we need that in all of our lives. So we look to you as we study the word of God together today with thanksgiving, and in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Title of this morning's message, as you can see from your bulletin, is the instruction for young women. Without Christ, before we get here, go back to Ephesians chapter 4 for one moment, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Without Christ, it is impossible to please God. It is po impossible for an unsaved world, it is impossible for an unsaved individual to try to have a right relationship with God apart from Christ. That's what so great salvation that we just celebrated with the Lord's table is all about. If you're here without Christ, you may be looking at the world and seeing what's going on and trying to wonder where it's going and how you can overcome. You cannot do it without Christ. And a couple of reminders that are relevant to our text in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is the responsibility of every believer. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Jump down to verse 17, same passage in Ephesians. And it says, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as Gentiles, as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. He's reminding the believers at Ephesus here that they were to walk in a manner that's worthy. It's all been made possible by the blood of Christ. They were not to go back to the style of living 
our actions that they had before they were saved. It says in verse 18, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But he reminds the believers, you did not learn Christ that way. If indeed you have heard from him and been taught of him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, that's where we were. Great opportunity of communion to be reminded of that. We don't want to go back to that former manner of life. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Our minds need to be renewed daily in the things of God and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. And Paul is reminding the believers, and I go back there, because where we are in Titus, this is the principle that he's dealing with. We are not to go back to that old life and that old actions. That is the past. Christ saved us from that. And if we are trying to live the Christian life, apart from the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in a life even of the believer. If we don't yield and aren't filled with the Spirit of God, it is not going to happen. And the world is going to see it. And the world is going to see it through believers in their behavior. And so as he gets into this text, Paul has been instructing Titus how to set things in order in the church. Number one, he said appoint elders. And number two, what we dealt with last week, he then dealt with how to teach senior saints, as we said. The older men and older women, they had to behave a certain way in the church. And now he moves to the younger women today, back in our text in Titus chapter 2. And again, this is foreign to the world today, and it's impossible for anyone to live this way. It's impossible even for believers unless they yielded to the Spirit of God. So he moves into the area now of younger women as we proceed in the text. And as I read that to you, it may even seem strange to us. You say, what are you talking about? Doesn't it sound strange to have to say at first glance that the women are to love their husbands? Why would you have to say that? Doesn't it sound strange that you would have to say to them, love your children? Seems like you wouldn't have to say that, right? But that's the instruction given here. Doesn't it seem strange that he would have to say to believing women, be pure? Or to believing women, be kind? However, when we put the text in its historical context, and that's the importance of studying the word of God, to study it right grammatically, to study it right historically, and to study it right literally. And when we put it in the context, we can understand why he says this. Women have been abused over the years tremendously and have faced abuse. And when we understand that, it helps us to see a little bit better the perspective of why he's instructing the older women to teach the younger women these things. Let me just give you some brief historical, and it's going to be very brief background. Just to the Greco-Roman and Jewish time at the time of the epistle. 
many marriages were arranged. Now, for the most part, that is foreign today, but not totally foreign. But marriages were arranged. Secondly, we need to understand that women were given very little place in society at all. In fact, women were considered pieces of property. Not rightly, but that's the way it was. Often, men had multiple wives. And in having multiple wives, the women were faced with that difficulty. And that resulted often in children being despised because they were of this woman or of that woman, and nobody understood the whole household, like we understand it today. Adultery, adulterous relationships were not uncommon because basically women were used as tools back then. And so the women were involved in all kinds of relationships as well. And women were basically bound as a slave to their husband. That was the society in which Paul was writing. And when we look back, even in our own country, the United States of America, we see that throughout the centuries, women have had a lot of struggles, even to have the privilege to vote in this country. Because at one time, they didn't have that privilege. They couldn't even vote. They couldn't even talk. They couldn't even hold a license. They couldn't even sit on a horse the way the men did, let alone do any of those other things. That's a reality of some of the history and why there was such oppression. And they needed to be commanded in the early church of getting back into God's perspective and to understand, first of all, how women should be treated and then also how the wives were to be behaving. And there is no excuse, by the way, for any of that abuse whatsoever. When we understand God's word, we should understand of all people as believers today in this century that all were created equal, men and women. We're created equal, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And that is one of the problems right away. We want to get away from that and think that God didn't create us. We just evolved out of the sea or out of animals. That is not so. God created us just the way we are. And he created us male and female. He's the one that decided gender. But he created us all equal. Further, we know from Galatians chapter 3, although this verse is abused, from Galatians chapter 3, verses 20, verse 28, that we are all one in Christ. There is no slave, there is no master, there is no male, no female. And because of that, unfortunately, the verse has been abused, and today the church of Jesus Christ is being put aside so that there's no roles that are seen anymore. That is not correct either. In Christ, we are all one, male and female. And in heaven, there's not going to be any more marriage. There is not going to be any more distinction between male and female. There is going to be no more babies made in heaven. There is no need for that. That is God's perspective. So we have been created equal. Yet at the same time, it is that God, turn with me to one text outside of here. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, very briefly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want you to see it. It is by God's design, though men have oppressed 
and misused. It is by God's design that we see this also. Not only did he create them equal, not only are we one in Christ, but God also made distinction male and female, and he also did this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I could have gone all the way back to Genesis. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand, Paul says, that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and the woman is the head of uh, excuse me, excuse me, and God excuse me, is the head of Christ. And then he goes on, simply to point this out, that headship is to be earned, by the way, men, and we'll deal with that in time. But we need to say that God has also designed roles, and I've already taught you in several areas already in Titus that it is God's design for roles. It's got nothing to do with equality. It's got nothing to do with a pay scale. It's got nothing to do with being created equal or being one in Christ. We all have that. But God also designed roles because he knew that the family had to function and society had to function with gender distinctives and with roles and responsibilities in order to honor God the way God wanted himself to be honored and glorified. So it is he that placed these distinctives in. And we need to understand that. And as I've been mentioning, as we've been going through the book of Proverbs on, in our evening services, the moment you deviate from God's roles in society, you will end up with the mess that you have today. You're going to end up with the mess at work. You're going to end up with the mess in people's thinking and understanding, in the total understanding of what a family is, in how to function on a job. That's the way it works, folks. That's the way it is, by God's design, because he knew best. Now, as we come to this passage and understand that that's some of the context that they came out of, since women were abused, and they are today and should not be, there is never room for abusing a woman physically or psychologically. Men, and you need to hear that. There is no room for that. But at the same time, there are distinctions that have been made by God's design. And I believe this text ought to be used to build up and to encourage young women. We need to do that, especially the younger women. Those who are trying to function by God's standards according to what God has designed often are made to feel that they are the ones that are a problem. And they're made to feel guilty because they're trying to take care of their homes and their household. We've got it messed up, folks. We ought to be encouraging those young ladies. Those who have made the family their priority are the ones that God will praise, is the one that God has designed as he put this out here. And our society is working totally against that. There is a place for getting equal pay. There is a place for equality because we've been created that way. But that does not mean you move or deviate from God's distinctions. People who are homemakers ought not to be looked down upon, but they are by our society. One of the situations, as you well know, and the only reason I'm going to mention it, it was always out there public. Once you put stuff out there public, guys, you can't take it back, ever, ever. And you have disclosed yourself in front of the world. And as you know, when one of the president uh, runs for the presidency, that was the comment that was made about a former wife of a president, that she was nothing more than a homemaker. She didn't really have a real job, really. That shows what you know about homemaking. 
24-7 in the job that's involved. So we shouldn't be looking down on that, but we should be encouraging those to fulfill God's promises. And so as we come to this text now and deal with this, we deal with the younger women. Some general observations as we get into verses 4 and 5. For those who get the benefit that we're not here last week. What do you mean younger women? Well, we learned as we talked about the older women last week that though it doesn't give a specific age in the text as we compare with other scripture, we're probably dealing with those who are under 60. So if you're 59, you can feel young today. Okay? Ladies, we want to encourage you with that all the way down to the nursery. Okay? So if you're not 60, you're young. All right? Go home and tell your husbands that and uh, everybody else. I'm a young lady. All right. So that's the cutoff that was there. It's about 60 years of age. Now, from the context, you can tell that they were either married. Why? Uh, because, whether you realize it or not, marriage is the norm for society. Singleness is not. That's an exception. It is marriage that is the norm. And you can see as he's talking about husbands and children, he's really in the context either addressing people, uh, young ladies who are married, or they're expecting to be married because they will have to know how to treat their husbands and children. And you notice what he says. Very important here. The primary responsibility, now I touched upon this last week, who is the primary ones responsible for teaching the young ladies? Answer that for me. The older women. Let me encourage you ladies in this church, all of you ladies, anyone that's 60 or older, what are you doing to encourage the younger ladies? It is your responsibility. It doesn't end. It does, it's not okay, I made 61, I made 70, I made 80, it's time to retire and wait to go to glory. If the Lord hasn't called you to glory and you're still breathing his air and you're over 60, ladies, get involved in this ministry as much as you can. What is that? You notice he doesn't tell Titus to do this. He's telling Titus how to put things in order, but he doesn't say to Titus, you teach the younger ladies. He says, you tell the older ladies, older women, to teach the younger women. He doesn't tell them. He tells Titus to train elders, and he tells them to put elders in responsibility. But he doesn't say, uh, when he's telling them, Titus, tell the elders to teach the younger ladies. The primary responsibility is put on the older women. Very important. It is the older women. You have a tremendous role in the assembly. Don't wait for somebody to tell you to do it. Start tutoring. Start getting involved in preparing. Why? Because our young women need it. They need God's perspective, and they need it coming from godly women who have the experience of walking with God. Now, why do you think the responsibility was put on the older women? Let me give you some suggestions. Practical dangers. The practical dangers. I believe it's not put on Titus. I believe it's not put on the elders. And I tell you, I think all pastors, including myself, need to really look at this one closely. Because the older women need to be involved in the counseling. The older women, not the younger women. The practical dangers are the emotional involvement. And that's what happens. The potential 
of inappropriate relationships. If you have an, a man that's dealing with a woman, you have the potential for a problem. That's why so many men end up leaving the ministry. They run off with another woman. The stage has been set. That's why you may not realize it. Some of you I know do. That as staff, we take this very carefully. And we, if this is going to be a situation where someone's going to be alone with somebody, the, wind, the door is kept open. Or there's somebody in the vicinity. Or there's somebody in the room. That's for the protection of everybody. You notice in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's close by. In verse, watch this, 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's a very practical danger. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, it says, The older woman, this is telling you how to treat people, how to treat older men. Treat them as a father. How to treat younger men as brothers. How to treat older women as mothers. How do you treat younger women as sisters? And he ends with this, in all purity. It's the only place he puts that. Why? Because there's a practical danger with the younger woman. So I think he's telling the older woman to be involved in this because of the practical danger that's involved. I think there's also the idea of comfort. Why? It's more comfortable for a young lady, someone under 60, who can sit down with another lady. That's more comfortable. Think about it, ladies, even with doctors over the years. It's more comfortable if you go to a woman doctor, usually. But that's not always the case. Well, it's the same thing here. When you're dealing with asking questions or desiring to know, yet women feel more comf confident when they can talk to somebody, some key elements that they know fit the criteria of what older women are supposed to be doing prior to this. What is that? that they're not given over to malicious, malicious gossip. You don't want to be sitting down with somebody that's an older woman, and then you know they're going to go talk to everybody. You know, you might not understand this, but maybe someday you will. But that's why I am partly the way I am. What do you mean? When someone comes to talk to me, I am not going to tell anybody else what they said. And if you don't think that's true, talk to my wife. I don't know how many times she's been in a situation that people in this room or outside of this room have assumed that she knew what was going on and she had no idea. You know why? Because I take that seriously. And you're going to want that confidence sometime so that you can come and discuss things or whatever. And that's the way it should be. So when a younger woman goes to an older woman, they want to have the confidence that this woman is a godly woman who I know is not going to repeat one iota of what I say to their best friend because it may not come out the same. Who better to teach the younger woman, right? Third reason. Who better than somebody who has experienced the battles of life? Oh, I can talk to you about childbearing, but uh, I think my wife's a little better experienced at it. Isn't that true? Sure it is. And when an older woman's been through some situations and heartaches in the family with children, with unresponsive children, with children who have rebelled, with children who have walked away from the Lord, with husband and wife relationships, with situations where jobs have been lost, with situations where health has been a problem, and they've experienced that, what better person to go to than someone that's been through the experience that can sit down with you and knows how to handle it? Isn't that why we go to the Lord? Isn't that what Hebrews says? 
Hebrews tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? He has in all ways been tempted just without sin. So he knows what it is to hurt. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be rebelled against. He knows what it is to be spoken of wrongly. He knows what that's like, and that's why I can go to him, because he had victory in it. Same is true here. The best ones that have the experience to teach the younger women are the older women. So pastors and elders, we need to take that very seriously. And, and you do as well. And older women get involved. So the instruction goes to the older woman. Now, what is the practical way of working that out? By the way, husbands are told to love their wives. Let me just address that, because I don't want to let the husbands off the hook here. You are commanded to love your wife. And I will tell you this. In that passage in Ephesians, husbands, it uses the word agape. It's the same one that's used by the Lord in his love for us. Husbands, we are to lay our lives down for our wives and to see them as more important. And too many husbands don't get that. But in our text, we now that learn that older women, here's something that you should be encouraging the younger, younger woman to do. And you say, I can't do that. Why? Because I don't love my husband the way I should. That's a problem. But the older woman should have the experience and be able to do it. The first one is verse 4, obviously. There's seven points. And I know, you know, we're not going to be here till all afternoon. We won't get through the seven today. But the first one is, love their husbands, verse 4. So that they may encourage the younger women. Notice that. Encourage them, what? Number one, to love their husbands. <coughs> you would think that that shouldn't be a problem. You ought to love your husband even if you are... Not necessarily, listen, attracted to him. Really? Why? This is not based on the husband's worthiness. It's first of all based on a contract. And too often this is flippantly taken care of. Listen, you know we're living in the United States of America and you can get a divorce just like that. Just like that. And husbands, if you're pursuing it, wives, you're pursuing it, you're not pursuing what God wants. You ought to love your husbands. What if they're unsaved? Love them. What if they're unsympathetic? Love them. This is the noun form of the situation that comes from phileo. And it is the idea of a friendship, a strong, deep friendship. And even if they're uncaring, even if they're unlovable, young women need to be told that they are to love their husbands. Why? Because it's based upon obedience to Christ. If you belong to Christ, that's why you're charged to do this. The world's not going to do that, but you are. Why? Because God is calling you to do it. Why do, what if you got a situation, let's be honest, what if you get a situation that even if they've been married for a while, they reach the point and say, I'm not so sure I love my husband anymore. Then what? Love them. You say, I can't, but I don't love them. Then love them. You're not making sense, Pastor Dan. It's not, I didn't write this. It says, teach them to love their husbands. 
You must train yourself to love your husband. That's tough. Oh, yeah. It is. Isn't it interesting? Have you ever done this? I don't know how that woman could ever live with that man. And you're all looking at me, so you're saying, that's right, I pity Linda. Okay? Do you know how many people might be saying that about your husband? You might not think so because of your close friends. Or they might not be saying that about your husband. They might be saying it about you. Interesting. We ought to train ourselves to love them. Remember, the husbands are commanded to love the wives. How do you do that? How do you love your husband if, if you don't really love him and if, if things have changed? Well, let me give you some practical suggestions that come from Scripture. Number one, by doing things for him. How about those verses on the side? We quote those verses and we have them for everybody else, but we don't like them when it comes to us. Don't do things out of selfish ambitions. Do things for him. That's part of training yourself. What else does the scripture say? I'm sure most of you are familiar with 1 Peter chapter 3. And there's other cases in Romans with Sarah. What is that? Win them by your behavior. Too many women today are so concerned about the outward and what it looks like. And I'm not saying you neglect that at all. I'm not saying you don't have some fashion ladies. And that's not what it means when it's talking about that in Ephesians at all. But that's not it. Just don't win them by the outward behavior. Win them by the in, inward behavior and your love for Christ. Let them see you loving them because you love Christ. They may even rebel against that. That's okay. Because God will deal with their heart. God will deal with their heart. By putting their interests first. As long as it's not contrary to Scripture. Never go contrary to Scripture. One writer put it this way. If you love your husband in practical ways, you will learn to love him emotionally, even if you don't now. When you start loving him in practical ways, you will begin to love him emotionally the way God wants you to. But that's a responsibility. Can you imagine living in those days and in that situation where you were nothing but a slave, you had no rights and so forth, you were abused and pushed aside? And Paul's coming out and says, look at in the island of Crete, those people profess to know Christ, tell the older women to start training them to have the younger women love their husbands like a friend. Love their husbands in an intimate way that way so they grow closer in that relationship. Are you kidding? How are they going to do that? In practical ways. In practical, practical ways. I'll deal with one more this morning. Love their children. Again, doesn't that seem strange? Verse 4. Whether they're born or adopted doesn't matter. What women need to, younger women need to be told is to love your children. Sounds like it's kind of odd because you would think natural affection will tell you that. But it was not uncommon to have favoritism. It was not uncommon. You see that right in Genesis, by the way, right away where you see one child's loved by one parent, the other child's loved by the other, and you get favoritism that's going on. You have other situations where they were despising uh, some of their children because they came from other women. You have others that were despising their children because they had physical handicaps. There was attributes about them they didn't like, or the intelligence level, that some were better than others, and the personality. Listen, 
This is not based on the personality of your child. It's not based upon any physical conditions that your child might have. It's not how smart they are or anything else. Rather, it's a command of God, and that is, young women, you need to love your children. How are you to love them? Let me tell you this. The first way you should love them is by training them in the things of God. Go with me to two quick passages. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Do you know the wives or mothers spend more time with the children than usually the husbands? Be involved in their training. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and and, uh, sanctity with self-restraint. What is that talking about? Are you going to get saved by having children? No. You'll be preserved. The whole context deals with the concept of the desire. A woman's desire is going to be, and you see that in our society today. Genesis is right there. The desire of women is to take the role of the men away and to take that lead. And he says to help prevent you from doing that, you will have children and you will learn basically how to be a mother to those children, bearing them and walking in faith and love, and that will keep you from desiring to usurp the position of your own husband. That's the context of what that's dealing with. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, just turn there for a second. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. What an encouragement this is. Timothy being written to by Paul, he says this. He says, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, watch this, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am sure that it's in you as well. Why? That's what the women were involved in. Loving their children. How? By teaching them the things of the Lord. Timothy goes on to say that they knew the scriptures from their youth. Why? Because they had a mother that took the time to teach them. I personally believe that more women leave their ch- lead their children to Christ than do men. If they're raising the home the way they should. What is it? Walk by faith. Love your children by walking by faith, being an example to them, teaching them the things of God, setting the priorities, letting them see how you love your husbands. That's why that is the priority. First the husbands, then the children, not the other way around. There are too many families where the children are the ones that are loved by the mother and they can't even let them go for marriage, they can't let them go for high school, they can't let them go for college because they're so attached and they attach more to their children than they are to their husbands. Wrong. It is the husband and the wife's relationship that is the only permanent relationship other than our relationship with God. By design, the parent-child relationship is one that is temporary. Genesis says that they will grow up and leave their father and mother. And that is why you got married, to leave your parents. Then why won't you let your children go? That's God's design, you see? So we need to be involved. Older women, you need to be involved. Training younger women, what? The standards of God. Do you think they're going to get that outside the world? 
to love your husbands even when they're not lovable? To learn how to love them, why? Because you're obeying Christ? To learn to love your husbands first, then secondly, to love your children. How? By loving your children, again, you want to develop them in the way that God would have them to go. We need godly women. I thank God for the women in this church. I thank God for the older women that take the time. We have more for moms program. And, and it's a great program. It's to help the younger moms along, along. You don't have to be in more for moms, though. Older women, you should be involved in being there on the telephone, being there to help, because their women are going to struggle with their husbands and how to handle this situation, and how can I love them with what he's done, and, and children with situations, and they're going to need that help and guidance. Older women get involved in teaching and encouraging them. And younger women, we got some more things to come, but that's certainly a challenge to begin with today. Learn to love your husbands. And husbands, don't go away saying, I hope my wife got it today. I reminded you, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you think you're a man because you're tough and you're a boss, and you're bossing your wife around, you get another thing coming. You're only a man if you can love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And you can put her first. And no matter what society thinks, men, if you're not loving your wife that way, you're making it difficult for her to love you. Yes, she needs to love you, but it's a challenge to all of us. And young folks, I just had a counseling session with somebody as we move forward to marriage and, and, and consideration of it. And I mean what I'm going to say. Marriage is a wonderful thing. And our young people shouldn't be fearing it they should be looking forward to it because it's a gift of God and it's a blessing. Let's encourage our young people the way we need to, starting with our young mothers. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the challenge that it is to all of us. I thank you for our older and younger women in this church. Pray that our younger women would take seriously their responsibility to be involved in the lives of younger women. And I pray that our younger women would learn how to love their husbands and to love their children. Why? Because they want to please you. And I pray, Father, that we would have a small impact right here in this community, that our marriages would have an impact with those that we work with, that those that we live next to, so that others would be able to look at our marriages and be seeing you because father we need to remember that we represent christ it might be used as a shining light to this world where others will not only want to know about our marriage but want to know about our savior and i pray that it would further the gospel of jesus christ for it's in his name we pray amen Ron? If you'll turn with me to number 184 in your songbooks, 184, please stay seated because as the men come forward, we'll take a time of the fellowship fund offering. And uh, if you're prepared, as we're reminded that the fellowship offering is used for our members and uh, that have work situations or whatever it might be, that the need is met.
And one last thing is when you depart this morning, please take the time to sign the bulletin board for next week's uh, luncheon service. So uh, as we sing this song, Speak, O Lord, we're going to sing the second verse as we're reminded about that all of us and to be obedient to the Lord. So um, let me pray and then we'll sing this song. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give to us to continue in our worship to you. We're thankful for this special offering that's taken that we